everybody. What's good? This is Sharana Reeves. You are listening to These Three Things Podcast. Good to be back for a new episode this week. I'm trying to stick to my bi-weekly. I don't know if anybody's even noticed it or not, but listen, don't even send me no messages and applaud me because y'all know it may not last. <laughs> I'm trying to do my best. I'm trying to stick with what I said I was going to do. Life gets hectic and then I get sidetracked and I'm not able to edit episodes I've recorded. So I'm glad y'all still hanging with your girl. I do appreciate each and every one of you who come back whenever I drop an episode to listen to these three things podcast. Let's talk about Jasmine Jenkins and being biracial. I appreciate those of you who reached out to me, those of you who are raising biracial kids, those of you who have biracial children in your family. Yeah, we do judge. We do judge. I will be the first to say I do judge biracial people when they lean more to well, I did judge biracial people a little bit when they lean more to their white uh, side of the family than they did their black side of the family. But Jasmine really educated me. I don't know if she educated uh, the rest of you. Those of you who reached out, I know where you stood. But for those of you who didn't, I don't know if it educated you. But her sharing with us what she was exposed to really cleared up a lot for me. I mean, maybe if I just, you know, give it had given it more thought, I would have realize that exposure has a lot to do with which side biracial kids tend to lean toward or where they're more comfortable. I don't think that I really gave it that much thought, to be honest. You know, I'm just like, if you don't want to be black, I feel away. <laughs> but, um, you know, I got educated and I appreciate that about Jasmine. I appreciate her coming on and sharing her story. And all of you who reached out to me about uh, the being biracial episode, I got to address something on the self-aware narcissist episode with Mr. Leon Walker. You guys are still blowing that episode up and I appreciate it because narcissism is running rampant. I will say this probably again on this show. If you are single out here in 2023 in these streets, you better learn about narcissism. You just have to learn about it. You are going to find some people that are just knee deep in it and they're as overt as they can be. And the ones that you really need to be scary about are the ones that seem like a knight in shining armor that's as covert as it can be. And you won't even know you're dealing with a narcissist until you've been with them for four, five, six, seven, eight, ten years. So educate yourself, ladies. Educate yourself, guys, because nobody has time to waste on somebody who has no intentions on doing anything but harming you. And I pray for those of you who are in narcissistic relationships that you get out of it because they feed off of being able to treat you any way that they want to and they don't expect you to do anything about it. And they've trained you not to do anything about it. So please, please, please educate yourself. And for those of you who are in it, love yourself enough to get on, okay? But the point I was trying to make about it was a lot of you have emailed me when you listen to the episode about Lee Hammock. Yes, I am aware of Lee. As a matter of fact, I started watching Lee and that's how I think Leon popped up on my YouTube channel or YouTube feed. So yes, I do know about Lee Hammock. I actually reached out to Lee to be on the show, but Lee never responded. I didn't think much of it because Lee has a huge audience like Leon does. And I just figured that he was super busy. I think that Leon has just been a bit more accommodating uh, with sitting down and talking to people about uh, narcissism. So yes, I do know about Lee. So if you're listening to this episode and you know about Lee Hammock on YouTube or Instagram, he has a podcast. He's also on TikTok as well. 
I do know about Lee. I appreciate y'all looking out for me. <laughs> and I did reach out to Lee. So uh, just wanted to say that because I think I get a email at least two or three times a week from someone who's listened to the episode and says, hey, have you ever listened to Lee Hammock? Have you ever watched Lee Hammock's videos? I don't think if you've looked at anything on narcissism at all on YouTube that Lee is probably not going to pop up on your um, feed at some point. The algorithms just work it out that way. So, yes, thank you all for listening. Thank you all for reaching out to me via email. Some of you guys, I just ain't even going to ask y'all no more to go and leave a comment. Go and leave a, um, I'm not even going to ask any of y'all anymore to go and leave a review because y'all not going to do it. Y'all just not going to do it. For some reason, you're going to listen, but you're not going to leave a review. So I ain't going to bother y'all no more. For those of you who decide to ease on over to Spotify or to Apple and leave a review, I appreciate y'all. The rest of y'all, I'm sticking out my tongue and y'all can't see it, but I am. That's how I feel. I love y'all, but. That's how I feel. So let's get into today's episode. Tennessee, stand up with Senator Charlene Oliver. This was a dream interview for me. I loved everything about sitting down and talking with Senator Oliver. I went in there thinking that she probably wasn't going to want to talk too much about the Tennessee Three or really share her perspectives about it. And I came out finding out that she was about it, <laughs> that she is walking truly in her purpose. Have you ever just sat down and had a conversation with somebody and you just sitting there listening to them and you are like, this person, this is what you were created to do, sis. And I don't know what my facial expression was saying when she was talking to me, but it probably was just like, whoa, she inspired me to such a degree that I am totally about to get involved in everything that I can possibly do to get involved to help her be successful to help see the state of Tennessee get people out to vote I could not believe that Tennessee was 50th and black folks getting out and voting you know I'm born and raised here for those of you who listen to the show you know that I just recently moved back to Tennessee from Savannah Georgia and I was geeked about flipping the state of Georgia blue like I was so happy for all the people who were foot soldiers out here registering people to vote getting involved, knocking on doors. I was so geeked about that. I plan on doing the same thing here and helping Senator Oliver in whatever way I can. And my listening audience from Tennessee, it's time for us to stand up, get our families registered to vote. It is not okay for us to just be sitting around with the mindset of, well, these people going to do what they want to do anyway, because that's how we think. And my vote ain't going to make no difference. Like you're going to hear Senator Oliver say, if our vote didn't matter, they wouldn't be trying so hard to keep us from having it. So that's my sermon for today. I'm going to move on out of the way now and let you guys hear from Tennessee State Senator Charlene Oliver. Tennessee, stand up. Enjoy. For almost a century, Scarrett Bennett Center's historic Gothic campus has been a choice location for dream weddings in Nashville. Consistently rated one of Music City's best places to get married by The Knot, Wedding Wire, and Toast of Nashville, Scarrett Bennett Center offers three timeless venues for your wedding, a 20-person elopement chapel, a 300-person wedding chapel, and a breathtaking garden. From rehearsal to reception, Scarrett Bennett Center is ready to help you create the intimate, historic wedding of your dreams. Visit our website 
at scarrettbennett.org forward slash weddings for more information. Hey, this is Sharonda Reeves. You are listening to These Three Things Podcast, and I am here with Senator Charlene Oliver. Senator, welcome to These Three Things. Thank you, Sharonda. Uh, glad to be here. And you uh, said my name right. I appreciate that. Well, <laughs> it's Sharonda for me, but I hear Sharona all the time, so I always try to make sure I pronounce everybody's name awesome. correctly. I know you're super busy today, so let's get to the questions. Okay, tell my listeners a little bit about yourself and what district you're in charge of and just, uh, you know, all about you. Okay, Um, so I am a Southern girl through and through, originally from Little Rock, Arkansas. I am a wife. I've been with my husband for 18 years. We met uh, two months before we graduated college. Oh, wow. Uh, we have three kids and a dog. <laughs> uh, we have a 13-year-old daughter, 11-year-old mm-hmm. son, and a 4-year-old son. And um, I am a strategist. I am a nonprofit founder. Mm-hmm. I co-founded my own organization called the Equity Alliance um, back in 2016. Uh, I am... A person who cares about a lot of issues. I am a survivor. Um, Particularly, I care about women's issues uh, because I've experienced quite a few uh, negative experiences with relationships and, um, you know, sexual assault in my past. And so I'm here as a state senator who comes from the people. And so that's that is what I call myself the people senator yeah. uh, because I've been through a lot of experience that people can relate to um, that I know firsthand. Mm-hmm. And so my district, I represent district 19 in the state Senate. And this is a very important seat. I don't hold this responsibility lightly. I am only the fourth person to hold this seat since the 1960s. This seat was created because of the 1965 voting rights act. Um, that was passed by uh, Congressman John Lewis and Dr. Martin Luther King. And the first person who held this seat was State Senator Avon Williams, Jr. He was a civil rights attorney back in the 60s. He was instrumental in making sure that Tennessee Tennessee State University exists. He um, fought for uh, school integration back in the 60s for Nashville schools. And so he was a, he was a giant in the community. Um, the second person to hold the seat is State Senator Thelma Harper, who held the seat for 30 years. So uh, she is loved in this community. So yes. I have huge shoes to fill. And then my predecessor is State Senator Brenda Gilmore. So I, as a, as a young person, I, I know what's ahead of me and who came, bef- came before me. Um, I represent the majority minority district in Davidson County. So okay. what that means is when you think about redistricting and the census, um, this district that I represent has is represented by majority um, people of color. So majority black. I have a lot of new Americans in my district. The largest Kurdish community uh, sits in my district. Um, Large Hispanic population and immigrants in Muslim communities. So I have a diverse voice. I represent as in the state Senate, I'm the only black woman that represents Nashville. Um, The only black woman in the Davidson County delegation and in um, that rep- again, that represents Nashville. So it's it's it can be a daunting task because <laughs> not only am I black, not only am I a woman, 
And not only am I young, um, and young is relative, <laughs> depends on who you ask, but I do consider myself young. I'm, I just turned 40 um, right. last year. Mm-hmm. And as someone who is in the super minority mm-hmm. in terms of political power as a Democrat, so I I sit from a place of someone who you would think doesn't deserve a voice. But that's what makes my voice so much that more important and that's powerful. Right. And so I walk in this place with my head held high and knowing that I belong here. And no one can take this place from me because I've wholeheartedly earned it. Yes, you do. So yes. that's why I say I'm the people senator. I wear bright colors because mm-hmm. uh, now today you don't see me in bright colors. I'm wearing black because I just came from a funeral. Mm-hmm. But normally you're going to see me in some bright colors because... Again, you're going to see me. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to hear me. And um, I'm a force to be reckoned with. Well, clearly, I'm sitting here listening to you say all of that, Senator Oliver. And just, you know, I have to throw this in there because she will be upset if I don't acknowledge that. I can see now why my daughter loved you dearly. <laughs> my daughter interned with Senator Oliver uh, in the Senate, uh, this yes. last, the what was it, the spring session? Uh-huh, yes. It, it was the spring session and just fell in love with Senator Oliver and this office and her executive assistant, Keo. And mm-hmm. so this is how I made the connection. I usually tell my audience how I know the person okay. that I'm podcasting with. So yes. just as reference, um, my daughter interned with Senator Oliver and just absolutely loved. And I had, she said you were a powerhouse, but just <laughs> listening to you, I'm just looking at you like, okay. Oh, like, wow. Thank you. It's such an honor, you know, and just to hear the seats that you're feeling and the responsibility, you know, you're clearly ready for it. You know, you. it's it's all over you that you're clearly ready for it. And um, just a quick, uh, let us know, how did the po- political world become of mm-hmm. interest to you? Yeah, I... <sighs> There was no one in my family that ran for office, that was in politics. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't groomed for any of this. Um, you know, I don't have, I don't, I'm not independently wealthy to to run for this seat. I'm, I'm, you know, I don't have a last name that's famous, you know. And so I don't, I didn't have all the prerequisites that normally you have to have to get into politics. Um, I got compelled to get into politics because of the death of Trayvon Martin. Uh, his death, you know, sparked the nation and sparked the movement. And uh, I was a part of that. I, I wanted to be a part of it. Having, at the time, just birthed my son, who mm-hmm. was born two days before he was murdered, that struck me in a way that now I'm having to raise a black boy mm-hmm. in society that sees him as a immediate threat and how do I protect him? Right. And so when I started, you know, scurrying around and asking myself, what do I do with all this rage and anger? As I see the black lives matter movement rising, as I see more black and Brown men being gunned down by police and it kept happening year over year. As I saw, you know, the Charleston nine uh, get gunned down by a white supremacist mm-hmm. and folks in Flint, Michigan, that were denied clean water because a governor thought that they were less than and didn't deserve um, and knew that they were being poisoned in their water. These injustices that I saw on a grand scale, when I when I scaled that back, it was like, oh, this this is all about policy. 
This is all about the people who run our country. How do I get justice now? And so I started working on a school board campaign, and lo and behold, we got her elected against all odds. She's uh, Christian Bug. She's Mm -hmm. a black woman who is currently still on the school board. Mm -hmm. And after that, I brought some of the people who worked on that school board campaign together. And this was the year of 2016 when Trump was elected that November. And I was working at the Williamson County Chamber of Commerce, the richest county in the country. I'm sorry, the richest county in Tennessee, the Mm -hmm. seventh richest county in the country. So that gives you some perspective. Our governor currently is from there. And this was this utopian place that had everything. Mm -hmm. They had the best schools, you know, clean streets and just it's just a wonderful place. Mm -hmm. No crime. And, you know, and I'm just like my community don't look like this. And so I knew that the people that I worked with were voting for Trump in that building that I worked in. And so a week later, I sent a text message to the ladies that worked on the school board campaign. I said, I got an idea. And lo and behold, long story short, um, we started the Equity Alliance, which is now one of the uh, largest, most powerful black-led, black woman-led organizations in Tennessee. We've registered 91,000 black and brown folks to vote back in 2018, which led to our Secretary of State targeting us and um, creating a law to retaliate against our efforts by criminalizing large-scale voter registration. I was uh, seven months pregnant protesting at the Capitol to not criminalize voter registration. Um, So I ended up being a plaintiff on a federal lawsuit to stop that law and to go into place. In that same year, a federal judge struck that law down. So we have, I have been on the front lines of fighting against voter suppression in Tennessee, which is ground zero for uh, white supremacy, where, um, you know, they killed Dr. King in a suit in Memphis, where the KKK was born in Pulaski County, where the bust of uh, Nathan Bedford Forrest resided in the Capitol until 2020 when Mm -hmm. Representative Justin Jones uh, led a movement to take it down. Um, So this has been a progression of me saying how do I make change and I've done it from the outside at through the Equity Alliance that work you know we did a lot of work during the pandemic to put checks in people's hands um, who lost their jobs due to COVID Um, we put checks in people's hands when a category four tornado ripped through the black community in North Nashville a district that I now represent And I launched the Don't Sell Out North campaign, Mm -hmm. which led to us uh, educating over 300 homeowners on how to not sell your home and give in to the pressures of gentrification, which led to me now leading and writing a law based on that campaign to uh, now hold the developers accountable for pressuring homeowners into selling their home to them. And so now I have a bill that has passed through the Senate Mm -hmm. to um, make sure that if you contact the homeowner, they're allowed some sort of uh, pathway to complain to the attorney general's office um, if if they reach out to you to try to uh, sell their home. So who knew that just this little girl from Little Rock, Arkansas, who was, grew up shy, has now found their way into the state Senate, who's never run for office, um, but God's will said otherwise. Clearly, clearly, <laughs> clearly, clearly. Listen, you and I, 
we could talk forever. Like yeah. I, there's so much that you're saying that I'm, I want to dig into, and I know that your time is limited. Um, let's talk about Tennessee three in this last spring session and everything that went on with that. Mm-hmm. What were your thoughts about what was happening as far as voting um, the three out, and then your perspective on how the world mm-hmm. responded to what was going on in Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah. And, you know, this, the Tennessee three and the actions that they took on the house floor were of course a result of, um, you know, six people losing their life in the covenant uh, shooting on March 27th of this year. And so we have a legislature that has basically gone rogue and we've known this since 2010 when they took over. We've been fighting this legislature, this racist state legislature for a long time. Mm-hmm. And again, that was a, one of the motivations for me running is that we've already known what we were fighting against. Um, the, what happened with the Tennessee Three and their expulsion lifted the veil from this building so that everyone could see what we already knew is that there is fascism that exists in this body. Mm-hmm. Um, there is racism and white supremacy that exists in this body. And the actions that Representative Jones took and Justin Pearson were symbolic, especially because it was on the weekend leading up to um, Easter Sunday. And they put them on that podium and crucified them in that on that house floor. But as the word says, no weapon formed <laughs> shall prosper. And it did not. What they did was give them a stage yep. to show and wake up a lot of people. That is what we needed mm-hmm. in this state. A lot of people who have been apathetic about the process because we're um, 50th and voter turnout. A lot of people don't vote because they don't see a need to. Mm-hmm. Um, it woke up a lot of people, suburban moms who didn't know how to advocate, never stepped foot in the Capitol, are now forming organizations to get them voted out, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, and so it sparked, it was a major, major spark to a movement that has been here. You know, Representative Jones started out as an activist like myself, so did Justin Pearson. Yeah. So we come from movement spaces where we know what's effective. We know how to use our voices in a way that gets the masses mobilized. And they knew that would get the masses motivated. And so um, it shouldn't have come to that. They shouldn't have had to use a bullhorn. But as Congressman John Lewis said, you got to get into some good trouble. And right. that was some good trouble. Right. And it paid off. Um, it paid off in a way that we hope will continue the momentum through November 2024. Um, we It led to a special session that we didn't have on the books before April. Right. And so the public pressure of thousands of people coming to the Capitol, letting their voices be heard, that special session was because of that. And even though we didn't get meaningful gun legislation out of that special session, we also didn't pass any terrible bills. And so we have now started a conversation and moved the needle Mm -hmm. in such a way that now we're talking about how do we expand Medicaid for mental health? Mm -hmm. We couldn't even get a a conversation on Medicaid expansion uh, until Governor Haslam left as a governor. So now we're, ha- we're even though I guess I'm, I want people to be encouraged that 
the the movement and moving the needle it may not be as much as you want it but we are making gains in this state so election cycle after election cycle we're gonna have to continue to show up show up at the capitol and show up at the polls and let's talk about that with the exposure of the of the uh tennessee three and what it brought and as you said uh, peeling back the veil mm-hmm. so that people could see what was really going on in the legislature here. Yeah. I have a huge listening audience in the state of Tennessee because I'm from the state of Tennessee. So a lot of people uh, listen to the show from this state. What do we as minorities need to do in the state of Tennessee? And this is my last question to you. What do we need to do in the state of Tennessee to uh, be ready for the election, not mm-hmm. only nationally, but in our communities as well? Um, we have to vote in every election. We have to make sure we're doing our part and not just vote, but we have to get active. We have to get off our couches and get off social media and actually give a darn about this state. Um, we've gotten to our silos and if it doesn't affect me, then I don't have to do anything. And these issues are affecting everybody. We're talking about forced birth on people because we've overturned Roe. We're talking about gun violence that is entering more and more schools and more and more churches and more and more grocery stores. You know, this is affecting every single body. They're turning away our rights at every hand, and we've got to stand up. We actually have the power, so we have to make sure our family members are voting, are registered to vote. we got to know the rules and making sure that we're, we're registered by the deadlines. Um, and we have to, again, vote on November, in November 2024, November 2026, <laughs> and continue to show up. Um, and it's not enough to just vote and walk away. We got to hold people accountable in between elections. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm not immune to that. If you see me out of pocket, it is your duty. I work for you to call me. You can come up here. This is the people's house. You have a right to be in here as a taxpayer of Tennessee to tell us what we're doing wrong. And if we don't get it right, then vote somebody else in. Senator Charlene Oliver, thank you for your time today. Thank you for all that you have shared with my listeners. I would love to get back with you at some point as we head into the 2024 election for you to use my platform in whatever way that is beneficial for us in the state of Tennessee to get our stuff together so that we can see real change in this state. Amen. Amen. Thank you for having me. Thank you for all the work that you're doing. You're welcome. Thanks. This is Sharonda Reeves. I'm with Senator Charlene Oliver. You are listening to These Three Things podcast, and I'll be right back with these three things. Thanks for listening to this episode of These Three Things podcast. Here's how you can stay connected after the show. Follow at These Three Things podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. On Facebook at These Three Things P. Be sure to follow subscribe. And if you like what you've been hearing, leave a review. Hey, this is Sharana Reeves. I'm with Tennessee Senator Charlene Oliver. And it is time for these three things. Number one, head held high. Senator Charlene Oliver gave us a small glimpse of who this shy kid from Little Rock, Arkansas had to become to stand as a state senator and let her voice be heard. Being a woman, being black, 
being from a small town, being shy, being one of a few. Some of these you may not be able to relate to, but all of us can relate to at least one or two. When life calls you to make a difference, you know down deep that you really don't have any other choice. The death of Trayvon Martin sparked a fire that gave her her voice. My sister, you are anointed for this call, and it's clear no weapons can form against you, nor should they try. Thank you, Senator Oliver, for the work that you're doing, and no matter what, keep your head held high. Number two, white allies. This is the ring the alarm to all my white friends, listeners of the show, and other white people you may know. Please share. What is your game plan? What do you think when you see gun violence, police violence, this chaos everywhere? When you see on the news another school was shot up and more babies are dead, do you really believe the best you can do is send thoughts and prayers? White allies, I guess what I'm asking is, what do y'all want black people to do? We didn't start racism. We're expecting to hear the game plan from you. Your black friends at work, do you really know how they feel? Tell me, when your son goes to school in a hoodie, do you stress about him getting killed? With candy in his pocket. It's racism, it's police brutality, it's pay inequities, it's the limited opportunity and disregard for us as humans if we had to give it a name. Yet you say you are our allies. You were so angry over George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery the same. So I'm asking you again, what can we expect from you to help it change? What we allow for one will eventually affect us all. In this, I tell no lies. So how much longer y'all going to be okay just sending thoughts and prayers? White allies. Number three, Tennessee, stand up. Now I was born in Tennessee, so I can say what I'm about to say. I couldn't believe we were 50th in black voter turnout. As the old folks say, ain't no way. We are the birthplace of white supremacy and the death place of Martin Luther King. So Tennessee, what's going on? Have we given up on the dream? Now is not the time for complacency and think our vote doesn't matter. If your vote didn't mean anything, why are they trying to suppress it and take it away? Our ancestors died for this right. Let your voice be heard through your vote. That's how we get our say. Your voice is more powerful than you know without having to march on any road. Make them feel the loudness of your voice by quietly showing up to the polls. Cast your vote for everything to be voted on, big and small. We have a lot of work to do. It's time to answer this call. We've come too far to turn around. Now more than ever, we cannot give up. I just moved back home to Tennessee. I'm joining the fight. Join with me, Tennessee. Stand up. That's it for this episode of These Three Things Podcast, Tennessee Stand Up with Senator Charlene 
Oliver. I'll see you next time for a new episode of These Three Things. <laughs>